Welcome to Head to Toe, stories from the history and future of healthcare. Hello and welcome listeners to a career profile episode of Head to Toe. I'm Marie McMillan, nurse, writer, and podcast host. This is an interview with Mike and Pat Sill, a retired couple with over 90 years of combined experience in healthcare. Pat was a longtime registered nurse with experience in many subspecialties, and Mike was an echocardiographer, which is a technician who performs ultrasounds on and around patients' hearts. Together on speakerphone, they share with us their insights about how things have changed, what kept them in the field, and how the last 42 years together have been the sweetest. Warning, swooning may occur. Please enjoy Mike and Pat Sill. Okay, great. Well, thank you guys so much for being part of the show. Great. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah. So why don't we start off with um, where both of you went to school, uh, what years you finished, and how long each of you has been in the field. Okay, I'll let Pat go first. Okay. um, I went to school at Grace Hospital School of Nursing and graduated in 1971. So I've been in the field 47 years. That's incredible. That's a long time, Pat. And you, Mike? Okay, I uh, started out uh, in in, uh, basically 1970. I graduated high school. I jumped right into college and got into cardiology as an EKG tech and then worked continually from uh, non-invasive to invasive cardiology and got into ultrasound and then finished my career in three-dimensional echocardiography. And I've been out for 48 years. That is a very long time that both of you worked in healthcare. <laughs> so that kind of covers the healthcare work that you did. Um, what about you, Pat? Did you what kind of nursing work did you do? I have basically done just about everything. I started off as just a general nurse, and then I went into ICU, and then I specialized in CCU. Then did temp nursing for a while and did hospice nursing, went into office nursing. I also was a manager of the uh, cardiopulmonary department at a hospital, and I was a manager in the office. And then uh, finally, I did case management my last 14 years for an insurance company. What made each of you become healthcare workers in the first place? Okay, my brother, uh, my youngest brother was in a, a serious uh, auto accident and was in ICU at a hospital, and that's when I decided I wanted to go into healthcare. And he, what ha- is he okay now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought, I want to do this. <laughs> And that was that. What about you, Mike? Was it was it a, just as easy a decision? Uh, no, when I was younger, I, I kind of liked uh, uh, helping people, and I loved uh, working around, seeing babies and stuff. So I kind of got into uh, helping. I figured healthcare would be a great area to be helping, and then I got into pediatrics too, and I really enjoyed working in that area. So just my nature to try to help people and, and uh, be there for them when they need it. What was healthcare work like when both of you started, and how did you see it change over the 40, four decade plus years of each of your careers? Well, when I first started, there was a lot more hands on uh, one to one contact with the patients. I mean, we were given an assignment, we not only did their medications, We did back rubs and bathing and everything, 
And now it's more reliance on machines. And the nurses just basically oversee or give uh, the medication. It's, um, it's not as hands-on as it used to be. And for you, Mike, did uh, did you see technology change a lot, especially in oh, the ultrasound absolutely. field? Yeah, absolutely. I first started out as an EKG tech in the hospital and saw that non-invasive side change dramatically and then got into the ultrasound. And ultrasound back then was in its pioneer days, and I worked with some of the pioneer physicians and engineers. And it went from very simple imaging now to today complex three-dimensional imaging of the heart. So it's tremendous changes in these last 40-plus years. What do you think has positively changed, Pat, over the years? Um, positively, I think there's more discharge. Um, basically, the basis for nursing now is making sure the patient understands their discharge instructions so they don't end up bad in the hospital because then they, they get uh, the hospital gets a negative impact from that, especially for Medicare members. The other thing that I've noticed is that I think that nurses would, they, they're more technology advanced. You know, everything was paper when I first went into nursing, and now everything is computerized. Was that a challenge for you specifically? No, no. I actually have taken computer programming courses. I've always been technologically interested in things. So, no, it wasn't a, it wasn't a challenge for me at all. What about for you, Mike, as things got more technologically advanced? Was there a learning curve that got steeper over time? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the new technology required constant training, uh, learning how to use the equipment, how to apply the techniques of the ultrasound, uh, understanding the physics behind what's going on with it. So, yeah, tremendous uh, continuing education was very, very important to advance in the in the career path. How has your career in in healthcare work affected your life outside of it? Aside from possibly finding a spouse. <laughs> we did. We yeah. met in the, in the hospital. <laughs> okay, tell me that story. I want to hear that. <laughs> Well, we had I we were both working at the same hospital, Annapolis Hospital in um, Michigan, and I was a nurse in ICU, and Mike was an EKG tech, and I saw how he treated the patients, and he was so kind to them, and I happened to mention to one of my co-workers that boy, he seems really nice, but I think he's married because he cared. He had a ring on his finger. She knew he wasn't married, and so they ended up asking me to go to coffee one day, which I normally didn't, and take a break. And they told him, too. We got down there, and the two coworkers left, so it was just him and I. <laughs> a setup classic. Yeah, yeah. it was great. That <laughs> has been great. We've been married for 42 years, so. Wow. Wow. So you guys were fairly new when you were when you first met then in the hospital. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that was that. Did you guys continue to work at the same hospital after you were together? Oh, for okay, sure. for a sure. short time. We, after we married, we left um, Michigan and came to Arizona. 
and we still worked at the same hospitals for a while. Then he sort of went more towards Echo. Um, Pat, you mentioned something about um, taking a coffee break as something you didn't normally do. Did you mean just taking a break where your friend brought you or just taking a break at all? Taking a break at all. They allowed smoking in the break room at the um, when we were first in medicine, and I didn't smoke, and it really bothered me. So I never took breaks except for, like, lunch. And did that continue through your career, the, the not taking breaks? No, I started taking them, um, especially I didn't do it in the, when I was a case manager because I did telephonic case management. And so I, you know, a lot of times I, I always took a lunch break, but not necessarily the breaks during the day. Well, that's, that's good. I think that's something that's, um, an issue that is ongoing in, in bedside nursing care is making sure that people get breaks. And I know in union hospitals, it's it's pretty mandatory. They kind of push you off the unit to go take your take your break. But um, in other places, it's it's less fortunate. And so I just find it interesting that you, you mentioned that, that breaks weren't really a thing back in the day. I was wondering if you had seen that change or continue to be a challenge for, for other nurses. I By the time I got out of hospital nursing, it was still a challenge, you know, and a lot of us never took breaks, you know, it was more the smokers that did, because we wanted, I would rather get out on time than take a break. Mike, did you find any similar phenomena in the echocardiography department? Almost all of the respiratory therapists all smoked, so it was kind of a interesting <laughs> Phenomenon to see people that are practicing healthcare to be that strong as smokers. Uh, and, and basically, break time really was not so much available uh, in the cardiac ultrasound side. You know, you're pretty much busy most of the time uh, seeing your patients, doing your diagnostic studies, and working with the physicians for some of the interventional work. So for, uh, for both of you, can you think of a story about a patient, a family, a physician, another nurse or coworker that has left a lasting impression on you? There was one time in the hospital that this doctor kept saying that uh, this member had a runaway pacemaker, and I kept telling him, I don't think it is. I think he's just overriding his pacemaker, and he's in tachycardia, and I said, why don't you just turn off the pacemaker for a few minutes and see what happens? And he wouldn't do it. He's, oh, no, the patient's rate would slow down too much. Finally, after much ado, he turned it off, and I turned out that I was correct. <laughs> I bet that was that felt really good. Oh, it did. It did. And, you know, there's been a lot of different stories. Um, we used to work at Coolidge Hospital in Coolidge, Arizona. There was one time, this was way back in our career when they still used uh, rotating tourniquets for pulmonary edema. And this member came, this person came in with um, severe pulmonary edema, and the doctor said, Well, call me when she passes. And I said, Well, can we try rotating tourniquets? And he said, 
well, okay. And I said, oh, you know, I had to guide them as to what centimeters to put them at and everything. So I called him two hours later and he said, did he pass? Did she pass? And I said, no, can I take off the tourniquet? She's so much better. So the next day, the patient said, doctor, you saved my life. And he said, no, the nurse saved your life, this nurse right here. And she said, oh, she was just following your orders. Uh. Well, she just didn't understand that nurses could do more than just follow orders. And I think that was a perception all the way you know, all around. Do you think that physicians that I'm in, I am impressed and glad that that physician gave you credit for that. Do you think um, over your long career, you've seen physician nursing relations improve over time? I do. I, I definitely do. I mean, there's still some of the old perceptions that, you know, the doctors just say, oh, no, nurses are, are just, followers of whatever we say, but I think it's changing over time. And I think the, the, you know, the ones that are training the medical doctors now tell them how important nurses are. What about you, Mike? Have you, uh, can you think of a story from your career that has kind of stayed with you throughout the years? Well, what I miss most in, 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 uh, when I went from clinical to the commercial side was my pediatrics uh, because one of the stories that I enjoyed most is working with the babies doing the cardiac ultrasounds in the neonatal intensive care unit. Some of the real tiny babies, the micro preemies, the, the ones that were 800 grams, uh, they were so tiny. I just loved the experience of working with them because I would go in there and talk to them just like I would talk to an adult patient. And what really touched me was when they would turn their heads to listen to my voice and uh, just kind of lay there and cooperate for, for the studies that I would do on it. But that communication, that bonding there really, really touched me, and I really enjoy that. To this day, I still miss that, that, that contact. As someone who's never worked in pediatrics or neonatal, that makes me go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to live, uh, leave, uh, used to buy these little uh, uh, foam hearts from Build-A-Bear, and I would donate those to the parents. Every time I did an ultrasound on one of their babies, I would leave it in the isolate. So if they, they would know that an echocardiogram was done on their child. Oh, that's adorable. That was kind of my trademark in that field. So, <laughs> What about you, Mike? What about your interactions with um, physicians or, or other disciplines? Did you ever run into um, challenges with that over the years? Yes. Uh, some of the physicians coming out, it's interesting, in the field of ultrasound, uh, with the cardiologists and the anesthesiologists that I've worked with over the years, some of them really embrace the uh, knowledge and expertise of the sonographer, technologist like I was, and, and some of them felt they always knew more. But I, what I found is once you gain the respect of the physician, whether they be a cardiologist or anesthesiologist or surgeon, uh, that respect went all the way to they, they wanted and valued your input in that particular patient care or that ultrasound image that you've looked at. And that, to me, was very, very rewarding to have that respect and uh, communication uh, with the physician. So that was that was very positive for me. What do you guys think are the kinds of stressors that healthcare workers go through today? I think it's the amount. Hey, listeners, guess what? I got a sponsor. This episode of Head to Toe is sponsored by Lux Pillow. Lux Pillow's goal is to help you fall asleep faster, feel better, and achieve more. Did you know that the CDC reports one in three Americans suffer from poor sleep? I bet there are hospital and healthcare workers out there listening right now that can attest to that. Night shift, I'm talking to you. 
Lux Pillow products are engineered with 3C technology, which means each pillow has three separate compartments, a structured core and two outer chambers of soft supportive fill. So you have both structure and support in one pillow. You guys, these pillows are amazing. As healthcare providers and caregivers, we can't underestimate the power and importance of quality rest. So quit tossing and turning and get your best sleep ever with a Lux pillow. Stay tuned for a special coupon code mentioned at the end of the podcast that will get you a discount. And now back to the show. What do you guys think are the kinds of stressors that healthcare workers go through today? I think it's the amount of um, their their load, the number of patients that they're taking care of, you know, and that's why they don't have the the one-on-one time with them anymore. I just think that, you know, the hospitals, you know, they, the way they used to get paid was for all the testing that they did, and now they have to be more efficient, and they expect a lot more from them. What about you, Mike? Seeing it from the technology standpoint, the workload in the ultrasound field has, has grown dramatically. The number of ultrasound exams per, per sonographer has to do per day. So that's why when I was in the commercial side, you could see the way the industry has changed the workflow process on the ultrasound systems to make it easier for them to increase their volume and their productivity. But it, it, the stresses I can see from the sonographer standpoint is you have more patients to see and less time to do it in your shift. So volume's increasing. Do you guys think that the acuity is different than it was years ago? Oh, so much so. Before, we used to admit patients the day before a surgery and, um, you know, we on the afternoon shift, that's what you did. You admitted all these patients that were having surgery the next day. Now, they, you know, more surgeries are being done outpatient, and the, the acuity of the patients that are staying in the hospital is so much higher than it was. And that's true from... From, from my standpoint, with the preoperative that was done on the Sundays years ago, patients were admitted on Sunday, and I would do all of our EKGs before surgery. So you could see that that definitely was changed. Now everything's done on an outpatient basis. Uh, it's done either in, in the offices or in the hospitals, and the diagnostic or the, all the uh, testing is done prior to their surgical procedures now. What kept both of you in the field for so long as opposed to doing something completely different, and what do you imagine healthcare will be like in the future? stayed in the field because I truly enjoy helping patients and I would change fields as I got burned out in one and you can do that as a nurse and still be called a nurse. It's just the helping of patients and a lot of them are very thankful. Even when I was doing case management, they're very thankful that you care about them. Even though you don't even know them, you're still caring for them. What do you think healthcare will be like in the future, Pat? I actually think at one point it's going to go to to take over giving medications and the nurse would just be overseeing technology. But not replaced, hopefully. I don't don't (laughs) think nurses can be replaced for all they do. You still need someone before the doctor gets 
there and to detect small uh, changes in in the patient that may be detrimental to them. I don't think robots could do that. I agree. What about you, Mike? What kept you in the field for so long doing different things? And what do you imagine it'll be like in the future? Well, you know, from the technological side, I have growth opportunities like you do in nursing areas. So you learn cardiology. I, in adults, I learned cardiology and pediatrics got boarded in that. Uh, and then went back to school and learned clinical research and got boarded in that. So it opened up some opportunities for me to grow in that area. But I still really enjoy working with the patients and, and working with the physicians. So that's where I continue to grow and got my master's degree, just like Pat went back and got her master's degree, too. So we continued on with our education. That was very helpful. In the future, though, I think the technology is just going to be phenomenal. Uh, I think down the way you're going to see uh, holographic images of a heart that are projected uh, off a screen that you'll be able to go in and do virtual dissections on them in the future. Uh, I think the acquiring the information, the diagnostic tests, is going to be much, much quicker with the processing speeds of the computers and the computer technology and the artificial intelligence. I think all of this is just going to fantastic. And I just regret a little bit that I wasn't younger, that I was still working in that field to see that, that those changes, because I think those are really going to be fantastic in the future. What would either of you change about the profession if you could? But I would see that I think nurses are getting more of a voice in uh, the care of patients now than they were. I would like to see that advance even more. And I think that's the only thing that I can think of. Um, Changing of the profession, I would like to see uh, maybe more time that you could spend with your patients because from the technology standpoint, you're you're basically in a structured environment where you're getting these images as quickly and proficiently as you can, but you sometimes don't get the time to really talk with the patient. Uh, And I kind of miss that. Uh, At least in the adult world side, the pediatric world side, you had more of a uh, interaction with the family, the grandparents, the siblings, things of this nature, but the adult world, it's a little bit more shielded. What pearls of wisdom do you have for those of us who have long careers ahead of us? I would say that, you know, because nursing has so many different opportunities to learn different subspecialties, that nurses should be open to that. I know when I went to uh, hospital nursing uh, school and I did that so that I would get more experience at the bedside, I think that now where they choose two uh, or three specialties that they want to try, I would never have known what to try if I hadn't been in contact with so many different specialties and there were none of them, I mean, the, the, the amount of specialty nursing has grown exponentially. But I think, they, I think that nurses need to be open and to try different subspecialties. I know that kept me from getting burned out and I was, I was glad I was able to do that. Well, yeah, I mean, education, be flexible in your career path development and continual, continually education, uh, you know, whether it's technical, whether it's uh, academic, continue to go because that opens up more opportunities and doors for you, too. Did you guys have children? No, no. we didn't. No. Do you have pets? What is what are you guys doing now? What is retirement like? <laughs> well, since I just transitioned out as of April into this, so we're still doing transitioning, but we have lots of uh, traveling plans scheduled for the rest of this year and we're looking at 
traveling plans for 2019 and 20. So we have some big, big plans going on. Oh, exciting! What are what are the highlights? What are, what are you most excited about? Uh, well, my goal is to do in 2020. We're going to be doing a world cruise for 113 days, and I'm kind of a romantic. So what I want to do is when I go on the cruise of seven continents that we'll be going through, my goal is to have the captain of the cruise ship marry my wife on all seven continents, so I can renew our vows, <gasps> so I can say that I married my wife around the world. Is Pat still there? Did she pass no, out? Is she? No, she's told me this many times. <laughs> I'm getting faint just thinking about that. That is so romantic. I love that. I love that. I love. Is there anything else about your lives together in healthcare or together at all and like what you're looking forward to the future? Anything else you'd like to share with me or the listeners? I don't know. We just. just... Just try to be around to help people, help each other, be flexible, uh, compromise, whatever you need to do to, to build your relationship. I, the best thing is I married my best friend, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's great. So uh, from a relationship standpoint, it's fantastic. Uh, retirement, uh, just and do, do the things you want to do uh, if you can do them. And then we're going to also be doing some volunteer work and, and helping out too. So that's our thoughts for the right now for the future. Well, thank you so much you guys for taking the time out of your day to talk with me and be on this my nerdy internet show (laughs) this is great i think this is fantastic well thank you so much um i think that'll be the end and there you have it well i can say that i don't give back rubs but i still think nursing today is very hands-on but it's really interesting to hear someone with so much experience say that from a comparative point of view on the other side of retirement Maybe when I get there to retirement, I will have similar things to say. Maybe I will say, you know, human beings used to actually give the medications, not this medicine dispensing R2-D2 lookalike. That would be crazy. As always, thank you so much for listening today to today's episode. Thanks to my guests, Mike and Pat Sill. I totally wish you guys the best in your retirement and your upcoming travels. Send me pictures. I want, I want to see. I want to see you get married in seven continents. That's just freaking adorable check the show notes for pictures and more on just what the heck rotating tourniquets were and how they worked and why we don't use them anymore for those of you interested there's also an article spotlighting the use of holograms in medical education and more goodies so go check out the show notes thank you to lux pillow for sponsoring this head to toe podcast episode go to their website luxpillow.com that's l-u-x-e pillow.com to see their awesome products and in your checkout make sure to add the coupon code head to toe that's one word all caps h-e-a-d-t-o-t-o-e to get 10% off your purchase as always i love hearing from listeners email me at macmillanpages at gmail.com connect with me on facebook or linkedin and of course there's more at my website mariemacmillan.com or if you're feeling up to it leave me a voicemail on the podcast feedback line 503-512-0185. And if you're feeling generous, consider giving head to toe of rating on Podbean or iTunes. That would really help me out. More episodes to come, more extraordinary stories, career profiles, and trending topics, as is the podcast theme for 2018. Thanks for your support, for listening, and again, thanks to Mike and Pat Sill for being today's guests. Thank you to Wesley Price for providing the intro-outro music of today's show. Okay, until next time, take care. Take care.